Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Hello and welcome to you this morning, Global Church, friends of Global and those who keep watching every week. It's fantastic that you are doing it, so encouraging to us because we want our gospel message to go out throughout the land. You know, we've got good news for you. That's what the gospel means, good news. And so many people are confused about faith and about religions, about who's right and who's wrong and this, that and the other. And I want to say that Christianity is not a religion. It's about a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. And God sent his son, Jesus, to the earth 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away. And do you know something? He met men where they were at. He met people where they were at and he took them on from where they were at too. And that's great news. You know, religion is about us trying to somehow attain something and, 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 and get up to God's level. And Christianity is about God coming down to our level. That's awesome. You know, the Christmas message, God, Emmanuel, God with us. And the emphasis there from Isaiah is that, you know, the writers are amazed that God, the Holy One, is with us sinful human beings and it's like God with us and uh, God wants to be with you in your life and with me and with your family and he wants to help us in life he's a great God he's everything that you're ever going to need so anyway let me get into a reading because here in Mark uh, chapter 3 Jesus enters the synagogue and one of the few places in the Bible where Jesus was angry and he was angry not at sinful people but religious people, at the hardness of heart, having no compassion for people. And it, 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 it so infuriated him. Here we go. Mark chapter 3. He says, Another time, he, that is Jesus, went into the synagogue, which is a place of worship. And a man with a, with a shriveled hand was there, or a withered hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. The Sabbath being the holy day when you're not meant to do any work. So they were waiting to see if Jesus, who'd got a reputation now for healing people. Ah, well, that's constituted as work. And they were so politically correct and, and so nasty and small hearted that they were ready to, to have a dig at Jesus for helping people. How small can you get? So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. You'd have thought everybody would be clapping and cheering. I mean, even in a religious place, you know, when something like that happens, you know, surely, no, 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 no. He says, then the Pharisees, these are the, Pharisees were a sect of, of uh, the, the Jewish nation that were the holy ones who would stay away from sinful people and sinful behaviour. They separated themselves. 
Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians. And the Herodians worked for, for Herod. The Jewish people didn't like because they were ruled by Rome and by Herod. And so it's like, you know, they're not so holy now, not so separated now, but willing to compromise in order to get Jesus. That's what they were after. So they began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. So I want to have a look at the story of this man, you know, this happening one ordinary Sabbath, which would have been Saturday for the Christian. You know, it's like the day we attend our kind of church gathering is Sunday. Say. And so this all happened on a religious day. You know, Job, the book of Job, the writer says that man is born to trouble as sure as sparks fly upwards. And you know, your trouble might not be my trouble, but you know what, my trouble, it might not be yours, but we're born to trouble as sure as sparks fly upwards. Job chapter five, verse seven. This man had trouble. He had a withered hand. Whether he'd had a, a, an accident at work or he contracted a disease or whether it was a, a result of him, uh, you know, some behavior that had gone on, maybe got into a scuffle and a fight. I, we, the Bible doesn't tell us, it just says the man had a withered hand. And I want to say, number one, that the man was conscious of his need. He was so aware that he had a withered hand. He was there. Verse one, a man with a, a withered hand was there in the synagogue. And you know something? You and I might not have a withered hand, but what, what, we, what we will have is an awareness of something that's not right with us. We have an awareness of a need in our lives. And you know something? The greatest need today is not a conclusion to the coronavirus. The greatest need in our lives today is forgiveness. The greatest need today is not you being happy or me being happy. The greatest need of mankind is that we have forgiveness. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all deformed like that man. Why? Because sin deforms us. Education can only inform us, but the gospel has the power to transform us. And Jesus called the man out of the crowd, as we're going to see. But he was found in the synagogue. I find that interesting because the man is obviously looking for God. And he's probably gone to the synagogue every single week looking for God, but only hearing words about God. And that's religion. And, you know, what we want to say as global churches, is that God wants to become real to you. He wants to do a miracle on your life. Forgive your sins. Deal with your past. Separate you from your past. You know, dissolve the sin and guilt and shame that comes with sinning. And give you a fresh start in life. And more than that, a fresh life to start with. But you've got to give your life to him. You've got to obey him, come to him. You know, you can trust him. How do I know? Well, let's have a look at the story. Jesus calls the man out of the crowd and he stood up in front of everybody. You know, the security in a crowd. It's easy to be in a crowd. It's easy to be in a mob. It's easy to be in an office pool. It's easy to be when there's a lot of you. But Jesus called the man out of the crowd and he calls you and me out of the crowd. And maybe like that man, it's like, don't call me out of the crowd. This is my identity. This is where, you know, don't even put the spotlight on me. There's problems in my life. I've got a, it's not a withered hand. I've got the shakes because I've got a drink problem. I've, I, I can't articulate things. My brain's not working well. 
I have a problem with drugs or I have a problem with porn. I have a problem with anger. I have a problem with whatever it is. Don't focus on me, Jesus, in front of everybody. Just leave me alone. But he called the man out of the crowd and he calls you and me out of the crowd. And here's the good thing. The word for church in the original language is ecclesia and it means the called out ones. And we are called out of the crowd. We're called out of, of the patterns of this world. You know, that say you've got to do this, that and the other in order to be accepted. You know, you've got to take drugs, snort some coke, sleep around. Don't be a prude. You know, what's up with you? Just sleep around. Just get drunk. Just pop a few pills. You know, just alter alter your, your tax returns. Just everybody does it. Everybody does it. No, not for the one that's called out to the crowd. Not for the one that Jesus says, I'm calling you. And this morning he is calling you. And he uses ordinary people like me to call ordinary people like you out of the crowd and to himself. And you'll find absolute relief. You'll realise what pressures you were under to conform to what everybody else thought. And all them pressures drop off and all of a sudden you're free. And people can laugh at you. and People can mock you and call you religious and do all this kind of stuff behind your back. But do you know what? It doesn't matter. It's like water off a duck's back. It really doesn't, it really doesn't worry anymore. That happened to me at 19 when I really wanted everybody to like me. And you know something? That insecurity went within moments of giving my life to Jesus. He called me out of the crowd in a small town called Darwin and I followed him. And he's calling you today, wherever you are, to give your life to him, come and follow him. And the man was obedient and he stood up in front of everyone. God has set eternity in the hearts of men. And this man had gone to worship the invisible God. And there's a part of you that's empty on the inside because it's God shaped. And when only God can fill that emptiness, that gap, that piece of something that's missing in your life. We try to fill that gap with other things, relationships, with good nights out or new cars or holidays or whatever. All these things are good. But what I'm saying is we, we try to fill them. But you see the God shaped, only God can fill that sense of eternity in our heart, that God-shaped gap. But will you give your life to Jesus Christ this morning? Will you come to him? Because he's calling you just as you are. The man hadn't gone looking for Jesus, but Jesus had come looking for him. Maybe this morning you're saying, I'm not looking for Jesus. Somebody told me to, to just go on YouTube and, and come to Global Church and, and I'm here and I've heard some lovely singing and everything and now this fellow is telling me Jesus is after me. <laughs> but Jesus went to Zacchaeus, a bad sinner, and he just said, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus is seeking you this morning. He's come to seek and to save that which is lost. And the reason I mentioned Zacchaeus being a bad person is because um, you might think, well, I'm a bad person. I'm not good enough. You weren't worse than Zacchaeus. Don't worry. He was a right racketeer. He made Al Capone look like an angel, like a choir boy. So I'm just saying, come as you are. He's come to seek and to save you. Uh, but will you come? He's calling you today. Jesus called the man just as he was in all his imperfection. You know, all religions say you've got to become holy in order for God to accept you. Christianity says, no, God who is holy comes and accepts you just as you are, but he makes you holy. So the opposite, you come as you are. That's why we say in global, you can belong before you believe. It's not about who can be, you know, the righteous Ronnie in the church. It's not about that. Be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Just be yourself. 
with all your imperfections. This man came with a withered hand, but all that was about to change. Jesus called this man in a hostile situation. Maybe I'm speaking to somebody in global or a church goer, and you know, it's tough for you to be a Christian at work. And I want to say faith works the best in tough situations. Light shines the brightest in the darkest areas. Don't give up, keep having faith. Keep being strong because one day, someday you'll overcome and you'll be on top of it and you'll say, do you know what they think and what they say is like water off a duck's back. I'm here for an audience of one. I'm here to, to please God and get on with what he's called me to do. Jesus called people like Peter who had foot and mouth disease, you know, didn't engage his brain before he opened his mouth. But he called him as he was with all his imperfections. He denied Jesus three times and still Jesus believed in him. And he says, Peter, when you've, when you've come back in your faith, he says, strengthen the brothers. You know, Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost when the church was born and he preached the hottest sermon going. And he'd been backslidden five weeks earlier. And, and, and here we see him totally turn around. Why? Because Jesus never lets you go. You walk away from him, but he never walks away from you. By the way, if you have walked away from him and you're feeling the emptiness that you used to feel before you were a believer, it's because he hasn't moved. You need to repent, which means to return. Come back to the one who loves you so much and who's got wisdom for you for life. He wants to make a success of you. Your success then spreads to the people around you, into your family, into your community, in your church. So this man was conscious of his need, but the man took a step of faith. Jesus said, stretch out your, your hand. And, you know, Jesus asked him to do the impossible. And he got the man to face up. He brings the man face to face with the impossible. And he waits for faith to be born. And he calls you and me to the impossible. How can a proud man humble himself? It's impossible. And how can somebody, the Bible says, let the wicked forsake his ways. And the evil man and wicked man forsake his evil thoughts. How, how can that happen? Have you ever seen men and women where the red mist has, has descended and they are so angry? And the Bible says, let the wicked man leave his thoughts and separate himself from them. Kind of, it's impossible. It's impossible. And Jesus brings us to the impossible. And he waits for faith to be born. And faith is so simple. You only need a little bit of it. The size of a mustard seed. It's a tiny little seed. And it's simple. It's just saying, okay, Jesus, I will. I'll come to you. Or, okay, Jesus, I'll stretch out my hand. I can imagine the guy saying, you've asked me to stretch my hand out. Don't you think I've wanted to do that for years? Don't you think, Jesus, I can't. Oh, I can. And it's like the miracle happens. That's why I'm saying the synagogue should have erupted in prayers. Clapping and whistling and cheering. And it was dead. It's so anti-faith in Jesus. Just like our society, so anti-faith in Jesus. You know, you can believe in anything else, but believe in Jesus Christ. And the people will come down on you like a ton of bricks. And you know what? We will climb up from out of that ton of bricks and say, Jesus is Lord. He's not going away. He's calling you this morning. He is, he's calling you. And he called this man, he said, stretch out your hand. He commanded him to do the impossible. And the man did. And from that moment on, can you imagine? I don't know whether he was married with kids, but now he could pick his kids up. Two arms. Now he could, now he could hug his wife. Now he could, he could go back to work. 
Now it's all life opened up. You know, people think giving your life to Jesus shrinks your life. It's all about you can't, you can't, you can't. This story tells you it's about your life opening up. Why? Why wouldn't you give your life to Jesus who can look at the impossible situations that you're going to face and I'm going to face and he can say, overcome. I'm going to say, Lord, give us the faith. And you know, and he will. There was something in the voice of Jesus that caused that man to say, I've done this a million times, Jesus, and I cannot do it. But you're saying it. And maybe this time is my time. Maybe it's my time and my turn. And he stretches out his hand. Oh, it's an amazing. These are true stories. This is amazing. This is the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. Gospel means good news. Jesus is good news. He wants to do us good. It's fantastic. The man took a step of faith. What's impossible with our own strength and our own resources is possible with God. The impossible is normal. For Jesus to sort, it's normal. He lives in the miraculous. He lives in positive. He lives in, you can do this. And he's not just like some sort of life coach cheering on the sides. Because life coaches, they're brilliant. I'm a life coach. But you see, often life coaches can only tell you what you should do. Jesus empowers you to do what you should do. There's a huge difference. You know, I love preaching because I'm no longer being a life coach when I'm preaching. No, because I'm pointing them to the one. I'm a sign. It's not about me. I'm pointing to somebody greater and somebody, somebody that can empower you to do stuff. Bible teachers, life coaches, we can tell you what to do, but only Jesus can give you the power to empower you to do what you should do. That's why we call people to Jesus, to give their lives to Jesus. Okay, the man was obedient to Jesus's command. Can I just say, Isaiah, an Old Testament prophet, Isaiah chapter 1, those who are obedient and willing will eat the finest of fare in the land. Willing and obedient, that's who God's looking for. He's just saying, are you willing to take a chance on me? Are you willing to take a risk with me? If you're willing and then obedient, just like this man in, in the story, he was willing and obedient and he saw the miracle. And we need the miracle of new birth, the, the miracle of God forgiving our sins and implanting in us his holiness and his eternal life. He takes away our badness when we believe in him and he gives us all of his goodness. He's so good and we're meant to share it and spread it around. He stretched out his hand, did this man, not fully knowing what was going to happen, but something about Jesus inspired him to trust. And today, Jesus calls you and me to trust him to come as we are. You see, Jesus, only his eyes can pierce eternity. And so many people, we don't know what's around the corner. We don't know when death will come knocking on our door. And I'm not a doom and gloom merchant, but I live in the real world. You don't know when cancer will strike. You don't know. I'm not trying to put fear into you. Just read your papers. It's, it's, it's simple. What I'm saying is, is this, only his eyes can pierce eternity. He knows what's coming. But Jesus has promised to walk through things with us. Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I will dwell in your house forevermore. House being a metaphor for wherever God is. I will dwell in eternity. I will dwell in heaven. He had the assurance, did the psalmist, 
that God was going to walk him through all the things he had to face in this life. You, can, you don't have to do it on your own. You can have somebody that's closer than a brother walking through it with you. Behind the words of Jesus, when he says, stretch out your hand, behind the words of Jesus is the person of Jesus. What do I mean? Jesus is called the Son of God, but he's also known as God the Son. He's the second part of the Trinity. Again, understanding the Trinity is such a mind-blowing thing. You have to be God to understand it. I believe it by faith. I can't, I can't understand it. I can't understand how electricity works, but I just take it by faith. Can you see? I'm trying to simplify it for us all. I don't understand how solar panels, you know, can, can sort out electricity, you know, going into your camper van or, or through a caravan or into your house. I don't know. I don't know how all that works. I don't need to. I just need to believe it and see the effects. And it's the same with Jesus. Only God has got power to forgive. And Jesus forgave men's sins in the Bible. Even the guy on the cross, two thieves, two terrorists, dying either side of Jesus, both of them swearing and cursing and blaspheming Jesus. And then one of them looked and he said, Lord. But before he said this, he said to his mate, shut up, stop it. Stop cursing him, stop swearing in his presence. He said, this man, we're dying because we deserve it. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he turns to Jesus and he says, Lord, forgive me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be in the kingdom of heaven, in the king's garden. Or let me put it another way. He said, you will be with me in paradise, which means the king's garden. You know, like he forgave men's sins. There was a, a guy brought to him who was a paralytic. Uh, he had involuntary actions in his body and he couldn't stop what his body was doing and he came to Jesus and Jesus didn't heal him straight away first of all he called him son there was something wrapped up in all this package of affliction that had to do with identity and Jesus spoke straight in and he said son and then he still didn't go to his disease he went to or whatever it was his suffering he didn't go to that first he went to forgiveness next he said son your sins are forgiven because Jesus can can see what what's going on in a man's heart we're created by him he knows how we function and when we're dysfunctional he can make us functional again again your pharisees were there and they were saying only god has got authority to forgive sins and jesus said what's easier for me to do forgive this man's sin or to heal him but so that you know that the son of man has got authority on earth to forgive sins he turns to the guy he says pick up your mat and get up and walk home and the man did in front of in full view of everybody and that's what i love about jesus he keeps calling people in full view of everybody else and it's almost like you can't be a private supporter faith is personal but it's not private and jesus again dealt with the man but he forgave his sins that's what i'm getting to and you and i when our sins are forgiven, there are things spiritually and psychologically that are dealt with in moments, the moment we believe. But there's processes off the back of it and habits and addictions are overcome over a period of time sometimes, sometimes miraculously, instantaneously, but often over a period of time. God's helping us to get out of bad habits and into good habits. The, the end result is, is we have a new life. To start with, we have a real freedom within ourselves. This is fantastic stuff. I want to finish by saying the man received power from Jesus. The gospel records that the man's hand was completely restored. Restoration is a great thing. What's withered and shrunken in your life? 
Where's the impotence in your life where you haven't got power, where you used to have power? We have lost it in life, maybe. Jesus wants to restore that power back. He wants to restore you back to the, the good you, the original you that, was, that God has. You know, God's got like a, the, the, the top of a box lid of a jigsaw and he sees perfection. He sees you and me perfect. And when he speaks to us, he speaks from that. And he says, Dave, you're so successful. And you think, am I? <laughs> and he'll speak to you. And he'll say, you're, you're an overcomer. You know, you, you, like you, you broke free of your habits. I haven't, Lord. I've still got to know you have. I can see it on the box lid. He said to Peter, who, who didn't have a, a strength in his body, and he was weak as water. He'd just go with the crowd. He'd no moral fibre at all, no conviction about life. Just a moody, let, you know, led by his emotions. And when Pete, uh, Jesus saw Peter, he said, you're the rock. You're the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And everyone's looking at Jesus as if to say, don't you know him? Jesus did know him. But he knew more than that. He knew him in the future. And he starts to speak words into his life in the present that reflect what he's going to be in the future. That is absolutely incredible. And God can do that for you and me. That's for somebody this morning. You doubt yourself. You think, I'm just this, I'm just that. Jesus sees you differently. And he's calling you out of the crowd. He's calling you to himself. And he will empower you and restore you back into the image of God, back into the, the intentions that God had for you in your life. Psalm 139 is a great psalm because it says, all the days mapped out for me were written in your book before one of them came into being. You and I are hardwired to be what God intended you to be. We're all different. Our job is not to choose what we should be in life. Our job is to discern and find out what God's called us to be. And God's already set it in motion. That's why some things stick with you and some things don't. Because you're hardwired for some and you're not hardwired for others. Let me bring this to a close. Jesus doesn't discriminate between secular and sacred. He didn't say this is a religious act of worship. Now let's let's do healing and stuff somewhere else. Go to your doctor, surgery. No, he doesn't. He doesn't separate secular and and sacred. Everything Jesus touches and everything Jesus has made is sacred. You and I are sacred. You and I are valuable. And I was saying last week, you know, we're more valuable than cars. We prize our cars are our homes. But we are more valuable than our homes. We're more valuable than our jewellery. We're more valuable than our clothes or our cars. And half the time we don't believe that. We're like the servants of them. And I want to say, no, you know, God has raised us up. As human beings, we are different. We're made in his image. We are valuable. We have his stamp on our life. Jesus changes individuals for the better. Now the man has got another challenge on his hand. He's got to learn to cope with a new life. He's, he's got to learn. People are going to say to him, what happened to you? And he's going to have to tell the story of <laughs> how Jesus changed his life. He's going to go back to work and he's going to talk about how Jesus has restored his life and restored his hand. And there are things, you know, in our lives that are withering and that are shriveling. And when Jesus touches, even today, even during this, this broadcast, as, as you ask God to, to forgive you your sins, ask him to restore what is it that's missing, that's shriveled in your life. Ask him because there's power in the name of Jesus to bring healing 
into your life. Healing of the mind, healing of the emotions, healing of the will. You know, you've, where you've just gone with the crowd and you've no conviction. All of a sudden, you get the strength of will back to do the right thing. He's calling you today. He calls you out of the crowd. He calls you as you are. He wants to do you good. He wants to transform you and give you eternal life. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.